What's going on, everyone? Nice to see you. Name's Michael Peller and Nick May Musa, host of the Something Like the Offseason podcast. I'm really excited to talk to you today about Andrew Sandejo in our latest episode. Andrew is an amazing story when it comes to resilience. This brother actually went undrafted and played in the league for 10 years. Actually, fun fact, signed up in the UFL for a season before starting his NFL journey. So 11 years of professional ball post-college. Andrew now runs a supplemental company called Braintree Nutrition. Get into that a little bit. Talk about how he was able to make that transition from playing for 10 years forever, seeming like a lifer, to all of a sudden getting the opportunity to start his own company and being successful in that. I think it's a great story to learn a little bit more about diligence, discipline, and commitment. That's really what Andrew's built his career on. Amazing story. Really excited for you all to check this one out. If you get a chance, uh, you'll see a link in the, in the in the description of this episode. Like, follow, subscribe, do all the good things uh, so you can stay up to date on all the something like the offseason uh, material. Hope you have a good, good week, good day. Speak to you soon. Enjoy this episode. <laughs> Here we go. First question. What was the moment you knew in college you were destined for the league? And what was the moment in high school you knew you were destined for college? I'm not sure that when I was in college, I ever knew I was destined for the league. <laughs> I think coming out of a school like Rice, uh, <laughs> you know, until you have a couple of scouts kind of come by, you still don't really know. You always compare yourself to the other guys on your team, but you don't know how you compare to a lot of the other guys at the big schools. Um, but I think, you know, once I got to the UFL, so I was undrafted, went to two tryouts, didn't get signed. And then when I went to the UFL, it was a lot of guys that had either just come from the league or were at these big schools trying to make it to the league. And I think once we went through training camp, I was able to see like, okay, I can play with these guys. Like then I was able to be side by side with them in the drills and whatnot. Um, in high school, it was probably the spring ball going into my senior year, uh, had my first, you know, one double a school offer me. And so okay. that was pretty, that was pretty early. So, you know, I felt good about that, that I at least already had an offer on the table, uh, to go play college ball. Um, mm -hmm. and still had to go through my senior year. So I, I felt much more confident in that transition going from high school <laughs> to college than, you know, that was why I went to Rice was to just to get a good degree. Um, right. You know, not necessarily uh, go play pro ball. Right, right, right. And then yeah. in high school, in, in high school, it was just like you had no idea. Yeah, I mean, if anything, I was definitely going to walk on to, to somewhere, you know, probably one of the big schools. Because, you know, I get recruited by some of the big schools, but never an offer or anything. They were always encouraging oh, wow. me to, to walk on. But, you know, I thought I was going to be an engineer. And so that's why my uh, my calculus teacher said, you go get an engineering degree from Rice, like you're set. And so <laughs> I said, all right, well, that's what I'm going to do then. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So sticking the ball who was the toughest player you ever played against, whether it be 
college, high school, league, who was the who was the toughest you faced? Or it could be it could be one or two. Man. Um, you know, in college, we actually uh ECU was in our conference in conference oh, USA. Yeah. And so there was a guy by the name of Chris <laughs> Johnson who played running back that was really fast. Um so that guy was a monster in college that um you know, before he obviously was was great in college, but you know nobody really knew his name until he got to the league and and uh, mm-hmm. and made a scene. So, um, and then in the league, I mean, shit, I had to play Aaron Rodgers twice a year. That was always, you know, but you're not like directly going against him like a receiver right. or something, but you're just still having to play the chess match with him as a especially as a secondary guy. But I mean, other than that, just like re- I'm thinking about receivers that were just monsters like Calvin Johnson had to play yeah. against him twice a year. Um, got a couple uh, games against Julio uh, in his prime. Um, and then, like, as far as running backs, you know, had to play against uh, Marshawn Lynch, who is obviously hard to tackle. Yeah. Um, and, guys, there's, you know, luckily I got to play long enough to play against a lot of really good players, so it's hard to yeah. to really, like, narrow it down. Oh, yeah. I, you guys were in a tough division. And funny enough, you mentioned Chris Johnson. So before I transferred to Hampton, I played at Southern Miss. So, oh, yeah. like, I saw, like, some of the stories. You, you're a second ahead of me, but I saw some of the stories and stuff like that. For us, Kevin Smith was really big out of UCF. Mm-hmm. Kevin Smith, he got close to breaking the, the like, NCAA rock, Russian record uh, one year and stuff like that. So Conference USA had some talent. And when we played you all, you all had – like a 30 year old tight end who was crazy. Not 30. He was maybe like 24 or 20. Um, yeah. James Casey. He was my roommate. James, James Casey. He was crazy. Yeah. He was crazy. He, he was, was good. He, he was crazy. Uh, he's actually, he's get, he just got inducted into the, the rice athletics hall of fame uh, this of year. But yeah, he was a beast uh, on the field and in the classroom. And uh yeah, so that guy, he I think he played one game actually against Southern Miss. I think he played like five or six different positions or something yeah. crazy. Yeah, it was yeah, wild. yeah. I remember that. I was I was redshirt, and I remember looking on the side, and I was like, this guy makes no sense. He was returning punts. He was returning yeah. punts. He was tight end, receiver, H back, quarterback. So I was just like, what? I think the heck he got a half. That? I think he got a half sack at DN too. <laughs> he did. A, he did the JOP jump on punt. Just he got a he got a credit. That's awesome. Okay. Uh next question. Name a player that you played with that you felt like should have gone like to the league and been like all world, but for whatever reason it didn't work. Someone who you played with you like, man, this guy was or girl was like just insanely talented. It just never shook out. Play with a lot of talented guys. It just it kind of goes to show that there's a lot of things that go into making it into the league, not just uh, being talented, like you could have all all the attributes um, mentally, physically, and just sometimes right. it doesn't line up. You get put in a a bad scheme that doesn't fit you, or you're just exactly. like fourth on the depth chart. And you just have no chance. Yeah. Uh, but I would say at Rice, uh, our quarterback Chase Clement was was a dog. Set a bunch of records. Him and Jared Dillard like went off. I remember Jared um, Dillard. Yeah. You know, and um, you know he just. I think he got a little bit of a uh, a look, went to the CFL. We actually were in the, the UFL at the same time. But the guy, you know, he was just a winner. Like, even when he went to the UFL, like, he took the, his UFL team all the way to the championship. 
Um, but I think he just kind of was in that, you know, they, the scrambling quarterback wasn't as popular as it is now. And so right. that was kind of one of his, uh, you know, that was one of his strengths that, you know, as a little white guy, he still could scramble around and make plays on his feet. Um, but a little shorter, you know, maybe yeah. not like crazy arm strength, but just like a competitor or winner. Um, and like, you know, as I played throughout the league there, I'd see backup quarterbacks or even practice squad guys that, you yeah. know, it was, I was like, damn, like Chase is better than this guy. But it's just, <laughs> like I said, it's, it's hard to, um, you know, it's, there's just a lot that goes into it. And then uh, I had another guy at Rice that was just an absolute freak, uh, Sam McGuffey. Um, oh, the from uh, yeah, Cyprus, yeah, the, the yeah, guy exactly. who jump yes. over people. Yeah, wow. he still does, I think he still does that for fun, just on the weekends. He'll just jump over people and shit. But um, that guy <laughs> was, was just a freak. freak. He's a freak. Did he um, go to Michigan? Oh, I thought I don't know why. He was he was at Michigan. He transferred oh, okay. to Rice. Um, oh, okay. Because one of our other guys at Rice went to high school with him. Kind of wow. convinced him to come. Uh, you know, back to Houston. Um, you know, just they tried to use him in a bunch of different ways on the offense. And even then, he got to kind of uh, bounce around to a few teams. But, um, you know, obviously, it was a uh, just a freak athlete and then ended up going to be on the U.S. Olympic bobsled team. What? Yeah. Sam, what? Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's on the, <laughs> the U.S. Uh, bobsled Isn't he team. Is he from Texas? Yeah, bro, but like on a for bobsled, you just gotta fucking push that sled as fast as you can. Yeah, sprint you gotta, yards. You gotta be like the perfect the power drive. Yeah, you gotta be like the perfect size and speed that you can, you know, not too little to where you can't push heavy weight, but you know, it can't be too big to where you can't run fast. And you get, then you gotta be small enough to fit in the damn sled. Little, so, yeah. So yeah, he's the perfect little five ten like just box of muscle that could just do that. So that is and it was perfect crazy. for him. He was great at just like going hard and, and going straight. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. Shout out to Sam McGuffey. Wow. I, YouTube legend. YouTube legend. Literally YouTube legend. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Uh, last question. What's the nicest thing a coach has ever done for you? The nicest thing a coach has ever done for me would probably just be fucking yelling at me and, get, and getting on <laughs> for you know, for, for messing up or not playing to the level that they knew I could play at, you know, it's, it sounds kind of counterintuitive to say that's a nice thing, but that's kind of what your coaches are there for to, to like make you play outside of what you even think you can play at. Um, Keep that standard. Yeah. And so without that, um, you know, you naturally as a human will be selfish and, uh, yeah, you know, and that's what you kind of, even the most driven people like ourselves still need that uh, from time to time just to get your ass chewed by your coach. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I was lucky just to grow up at a high school. It was like your typical Friday Night Lights high school, super old school military. Yeah. Um, and these guys just, they ran a really tight ship, um, you know, wow. no cussing, clean shaven, very old school. Yes, sir. No, sir. Um you know, couldn't be super flashy with the uniforms or whatever and just uh, <laughs> really set the kind of foundation um, for my football style of play. Um, right. You know, just kind of old school. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, cool. just thankful for those guys. 
Shout out to those coaches. What high school was that? Who was the head coach? The Smithson Valley Rangers. It's right outside of San Antonio. Um, Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Shout out to the Rangers. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Coach Larry Hill, he's the head coach. He's still he's still there. Uh, they actually have their opening game uh, tonight. But, um, yeah, they a lot of the coaching staff is still there. They've been there for a, a long time. Wow. Uh, so he'll probably – if I had to guess, I'll, I'll at least lobby for this as to, you know, whenever he finally retires there to probably change the name of the stadium after yeah. him or get him a nice little statue or something. He probably won't want it, but we'll just we'll make <laughs> it happen anyways. Nice. Okay, good, good, good. All right, so you stopped playing ball, and unlike most people, right, like I played four years, but I barely have, like, a pension. I was just, like, on the sideline there for the national anthem and sat down. Like you actually played, played for 10 plus years. You stopped playing ball. What was your first thought? When did, when was your first thought that A, I might need to retire and B, that, okay, I'm really going to have to retire and it, and it sunk in. Yeah. You know, I think as I got closer to year 10, I kind of just set that as my goal to, Mm -hmm. to make it 10 years. It's obviously extremely hard to do and it just, I thought it would just sound nice uh, post career <laughs> to be like I played 10 years. So anything after that was bonus for me. Uh, I got, yeah. you know, it just, again, kind of just things aligned. Uh, my 10th year, I was actually the, you know, I ended up going, I was in Philly and then I got released and went back to Minnesota as a backup. So going into my 11th year, you know, the free agency market is not really looking for a, like a backup old white safety you know so i was like okay like i'm probably done uh you know, i got 10 years cool well right. all a lot of my coaches from minnesota went to cleveland and so right uh it was covid year there wasn't going to mm-hmm. be you know otas and all this stuff to learn the defense so they needed someone that knew uh all the special teams all the defense right um so I ended up signing with cleveland got a, another bonus year and then I was like, okay, now I'm definitely done. Like, uh, <laughs> same thing, like a 12th year, you know, l- luckily, I, you know, I wasn't an expensive free agent. So and it, it kind of helped that I had like half of my career was like just being a special teams player. And the other half was being a starter, um, being affordable. That also helped. Um, and then uh, just going into my 12th year, you know, had a couple workouts during camp and they're always mm-hmm. kind of looking for some vets in case, you know, shit hits the fan or whatever. And had a coach that I had early in my career that they needed, they wanted a veteran backup safety in case someone went down, they could have someone that could, you know, and would still play special teams or whatever. Um, so then I signed it in Indy and, mm-hmm. um, you know, played well. Uh, but again, I was, I was 34. I was going to be, if I went for a 13th year, I was going to be 35. And I still had a couple of my coaches. It was funny. Not a lot of like GMs, but a lot of coaches were like, hey, if we, if, if some shit goes down, we need a veteran, like we're going to call you. Right. So like be in shape. So I was like halfway in shape. My, my last year, I had two concussions. My last play was a really bad one. So it was always kind of like, okay, I can walk, um, you know, so, you know, mentally all there for the most part but um you know i always told myself i would just max it out like as as far as i could go but i i just knew that i was okay either way like if it had ended um or not so i was able to get the 12 years um and like i 
and yeah, and like I said, like I'm not, you know, I'm not totally fucked up. I'm I can still, <laughs> I can still walk, still talk. Um, right. Nothing Super major. Smart, yeah. yeah. So, um, but I, I would say, yeah, I just kind of I max it out for as uh, much longer than I, especially thought I was going to play being undrafted, yeah. going to the UFL. Like if you would have told me I would have played 12 years, I would have told you you're full of shit. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And and you get done playing ball. What if ever? What time if ever did you say like you know what? All right, why not? Why not thirteen? I already did twelve. Why not thirteen? I know you had the concussion, but did you ever think like maybe let me just let me just pop out here and see? Did you ever think about it? I mean, I I also knew I was done because I couldn't even. I think I went to go like sprint on the track one day and my hamstring just exploded. And I was like, yeah, I can't even, I can't even run anymore. So I knew I wouldn't be able to make it through a game or anything. And and it wasn't, it wasn't anything I, you know, and I had already kind of started, you know, some of my business stuff and it it was almost kind of delaying getting that up and going. And and, I was like, it was like, okay, the longer you keep playing ball, you're going to have to put this on the side and So it just, yeah, it was it was kind of a combination of things, you know, um, that all went into it. I got you. So you so you get done, no looking back, and talk to me a little bit about like how we get to Braintree. Like what what inspired you to get into the supplement game? Obviously, that's something we're talking about. A lot of science. You got an engineering background. What made you feel comfortable to transition in that way as opposed to maybe doing something that more people are familiar with? You know, like a lot of guys who play ball just going to real estate right away and stuff like that. And while that's complicated and it's in its own way, it's something more familiar. Talk to me about like your, your, your journey in that way. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, while I was playing, I'd already done all the real estate stuff and that was kind of right. just more passive on the side. Um, right. not something I wanted to do full time. Uh, and then just for me, I'd always kind of been into, uh, health, wellness, nutrition, I actually have the Andrew Sandejo Nutrition Center in the Rice uh, weight room uh, that I that I sponsored, and I was kind of just always the supplement guy in the locker room <laughs> on the team. So guys would ask me about different ingredients, different stuff they should take. Like mm-hmm. at one point early in my career, I would have to bring enough pre workout for the entire team for game day. So I would have to like you know your travel bags, you put all your shoulder pads on and stuff, yeah, and I had yeah, to get yeah, a, yeah. a whole extra travel bag just so I could oh, wow. load up like six or seven canisters of pre-workout for the whole team. I'd have to give it to the coaches, everybody. <laughs> so uh, I kind of already had that background to where yeah. I could talk to people about it and they they believed me and they trusted me. Uh, I was always kind of like, you know, the, the try-hard white guy, so I was always in really good shape. So they also believed when I was like, this will make you, you know, this will increase your endurance. You'll be able to like, you're not going to get tired. You're going to recover better. They're like, oh, I believe you because I see you at practice, you know? Right, right. Um, but a lot of that was just because I was a slow twitch athlete is really what it was. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, my my business partner and I, we you know, he was the same way on his team. And actually, a lot of the stuff I learned was from him. So whenever I would have questions, I would go to him. I'm like, hey, what does this do? What does this do? Um, and so we we noticed while we were playing, there wasn't a lot of or really any products that kind of fit this this niche of brain health of right. neuroprotection for the repetitive hits to the head, the concussions mm-hmm. to help with focus. We all know that 
the NFL has really strict protocols on prescribing ADHD medication. Right. And so giving something that was safe and transparent from an NSF certified lab that guys could take to help focus in meetings, remember plays, and then also just, like I said, to help with the repetitive TBIs and hits to the head. Um, so we hired his mom as our neurologist, and our medical advisory staff to help us with the research to bounce studies off of, or really to interpret a lot of these studies too. Cause, uh, if you ever read them, they're not just in plain English for all of us to understand. Um, and so just kind of using a combination of what we knew with our, right. our, our neurologists, um, to help formulate this. And then we kind of just waterfalled into all these other facets and really laid it out for people if if you want your brain to kind of function optimally these are kind of the, the areas that you need to address and so we we went right. into these different areas um and to just make safe transparent and affordable products so that everyone could have access to these types of products for better brain health versus a lot of these companies are using proprietary blends and fillers and whatnot just to have the best margin so they can make the most money Mm. we were in a different position to where we didn't have to do that. We would, we were able to make something that was quality. Um, right. And so, uh, yeah, we transitioned into that and um, just been, you know, working on that uh, full steam ahead. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So, I mean, you're, like I, like I said, 10 plus year NFL vet engineer and rice. So, you know, obviously the elevator goes all the way to the top. Can you talk me through like your process in thinking about starting this business and, you know, maybe how playing ball helped you in getting going and now maintaining and thriving as you all are, are doing now? Yeah, it's, it's funny that you can almost apply football skill set and mentality to, to almost anything. And mm -hmm. you kind of just copy and paste a lot of that. It's like, mm -hmm. or, you know, think about when you're training for to get ready for the season like are you right. working harder than the rest of the guys you know are you studying harder are you you know trying to get the edge so a little bit of those that kind of mentality like applies to like are we working harder than the others you know supplement brands are we trying to get better or trying to improve where can we improve uh as an athlete you're kind of used to always you know reflecting on what where can i get better at and so okay. i would say another part is that just used to like grinding, like, you know, during yeah. the season, you're, you're up, you work from, you know, 7am till 7pm. And you can just do that. And like, for me personally, I was just used to that. I could, yeah. I could get up, I could study before meetings, go to meetings, practice, you know, do our lift, whatever. And I could watch film all the way till I fell asleep. So uh, yeah. for me, like I can, I'm just used to being able to, to work like all day long and, and just shut everything else out. So I think just being used to those types of hours and yeah, that, that helps me to where, you know, it's, it's not something I'm not uh, used to yeah, doing. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever feel like, man, okay. I know for a fact I could go coach. I could do something else that's way easier than trying to introduce a brain supplement, like to the, to the mass market. Did you ever think like in your process of starting Braintree that like, you know what, man, maybe I should just go do something else. And if you did think that, what kept you, what kept you kind of locked in, right? Because it's all net new for you, right? Like it's, there's nothing about what you're doing that's, while it does support football players, this is pure science. Like this yeah. is, 
real science, real stuff, right? Like healthcare, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I think um, you know, obviously when you when you play football for so long, it's kind of what you're used to. And coaching is man, it, that's actually their hours are crazy, actually. Yeah. I mean, those guys Wild. Like at least as a player, you have an off day where you, if you really wanted to, you could check out for a couple hours. The coaches do not have that. They all season long, they have to game plan, prep, meeting. They yeah. go to meetings after our meetings. Exactly. So although they're not, you know, they're for the amount of hours they work, they're not getting paid the way like right. <laughs> that much. So, and to me, you know, coaching, I look up to to my coaches. They've you know, they've obviously impacted my life a lot. And the part of me does feel like, you know, that's your way of paying it forward is to now help coach exactly. the next generation of, of young men and what you could possibly do um, to impact their lives in a positive way. But to me, I would rather just, I feel like I'd, I would rather just go like volunteer coach for free than like yeah. go do it as a full-time job. Like just <laughs> like drop in on a high school and just be like, Hey, I'll, yeah. I'll help you guys out just, just to right. be around ball. But um, I, you know, it's, it makes sense why a lot of guys transition into coaching because it's kind of one of the only ways to still get that, that high of football is because you're still so involved and you still get to be there. Right. Uh, right. the highs and the lows of the season, someone makes a big play, you still get all that same, you know, kind of yeah, fix yeah. Um, yeah. without having to actually like run into people yeah. all day. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so it, it makes sense, you know, to why a lot of guys do it. And, um, but yeah, it, it was always something that I, I did, I knew I could probably just do without having yeah. to, with just the resume alone. But um, I don't know. I just, I think I wanted to have a different, just a different schedule of life of like just being right. so balls deep in, in the football world and like not having any contact with family or relationships or whatever, because I mean, you really don't ever see your family or anything. Even when the off season comes, the coaches, as soon as the season's over, they stay and they go through the whole right. season of film and, and okay, what do we got to do for next year? What do we like? It's a constant year round thing. So it's just, it wasn't right. something I, I wanted to, to go into. I wanted to be able to enjoy the fruits mm -hmm. of my labor of playing for so long right. to like actually have free time to go be with friends, family, exactly. you know, relationships or not. Exactly. And, and you mentioned like that high, right? Like we all know it, right? You knock somebody out, big breakup, big pick, someone else, you know, the offense is out, big play, like, you know, game winning field, goal, all that type of stuff. Do you feel like you're getting that same sort of energy from Braintree or, or what are your thoughts on that? Like the excitement you get. That's why, we're, that's why we're grinding over here so we can get that, you know? <laughs> uh, it, I think, you know, I'm just, a lot of guys, they'll talk about like, do you miss this or miss that? And to me, I always think about it. I'm just thankful that I got to experience those highs mm. at that level versus being upset that I can't fill that void anymore. Um, yeah. And, and that's, I guess that's how I feel that void is by like just being thankful that I was able to experience those uh, for such a long time. So um, I don't really, you know, I don't really think about the, you know, the, like not getting that fix anymore. Right. Um, you know, I think I, I got enough of it to, you know, to Did tide you, me over for a long time. For a minute. Yeah. Do you, is that something you think you've always had or is that something you think you had to like, kind of learn the sort of like act of humility to say like, you know what? I had an amazing career, 
percent of people that enter the league don't see 10 years, don't even sniff it, right? I did 10 plus, like I'm okay. Or did it take time for you to say like, you know what, I'm good. I'm just curious. I think you just kind of have to face that you'll you'll not get that that kind of uh, dopamine release from football, a football play again. And, and like I said, you just kind of face that and then that you were lucky to even have it. So, right. you know, and if you, to me, it's sitting there and dwelling on the fact that you won't get that again, it doesn't, it's not going to help anything. Right. <laughs> so just fucking sack up and move on. Exactly. Exactly. And, as far as you starting with Braintree and stuff like this, maybe is there anything that you know now about entrepreneurship that before, because you already had experience doing stuff in real estate and investing and stuff like that. But with Braintree, with this puppy and just entrepreneurship in, in general, is there anything specific that you think, man, I wish I knew that before it would have saved me a whole bunch of time, energy and money. Like what are, what are maybe some of like the pro tips you have for people who are leaving ball or, transitioning to entrepreneurship after playing ball they're like man think about this right like some thoughts yeah i think it's um you know important to have something that's that's going to challenge you that you know Mm. it's going to require you to to keep your interest and you're going to learn um you know that's something that's kind of kept me going is that i'm learning learning new information all the time learning about new industries and something that's kind of, you know, gives you something to, to look forward to, like to continue to learn more and the ins and outs of just different, different areas. Uh, I think you, the one big transition was just realizing that a lot of people don't abide by kind of the sense of urgency and <laughs> discipline that you have in the NFL. You know, a lot of people that have, come across or, you know, worked with in various capacities. If it was an NFL game, they would have just been released like the next day. <laughs> so, um, you know, and, and not a lot of people are used to you know, having someone kind of speak to them in a very assertive tone. Uh, oh, yeah, whereas sure. like us, you know, in a meeting in front of your whole team and staff and everybody, you're basically getting called out and embarrassed in front of everybody <laughs> if you fuck up. So, Um, I think, you know, getting used to getting motherfucked, like all the time, you just, you're kind of numb to a lot of things. You're not nervous about anything, you know, it'll never compare to the the nerves you get of having to perform under pressure in a game, having to be constantly critiqued every day at practice, every every year, like always (laughs) someone trying to take your job, uh, (laughs) you know, so like, now there's no there's no meeting or no call that I take that that I get a little nerved up about like it's not really shit compared to what you had to deal with like about to go have to you know cover Julio Jones like all game you know like <laughs> or like am I gonna be able to fucking tackle Marshawn Lynch like I don't know we're gonna find <laughs> out so there's definitely uh, there's definitely a lot of, just a lot of differences you have to right. get used to the fact that there not a lot of people are extremely passionate about their job like we are with football or we were with football and that a lot of people that's just not the way their life worked this is the job that they have and they just do it and so um practicing patience uh has been you know been tough 
a tough transition there and just um, having to realize that not everybody does their job as if there's a big game at the end of the week. Right. Right. So. And that's something, yeah, no, and to that point, that's something I tell people all the time, right? Like, so now I've been fortunate to work at like, you know, fortune ones and stuff like that. And when people are like, man, Musa, you come with so much energy. You're so passionate. You're like, everything is so serious. I was like, you have no idea what it's like to see your best friend come in and like miss an assignment and then get cut that, that, that evening. Right. Yeah. Or in my case, me, I've I've been cut, you know, at the end of the game, like a block in the back on a punt return. It's like, oh, and you yeah. just know, you just know that like, hey, we got to let you, you'll be back. But yeah, you know, all right. <laughs> yeah. It's a, um, it's a different energy. Um, right. You got, as far as like Braintree is concerned, anything exciting we should be on the lookout for? I don't know when this, this thing will drop, but for sure, just sooner than later, but anything people should be on the lookout for? Man, we uh we just had our uh a recent launch of our our newest product within the line is our our Brainwater Electrolytes yep. Plus Focus uh our stick pack product added to water. Um right. it's been it's been doing well and just kind of another especially down here in Texas is high, just another area of cognitive function and brain health. Um so mm-hmm. we, you know, we addressed the focus, memory, neuroprotection uh, we addressed the gut-brain connection with our ultra-strength probiotic. We addressed the oxidative stress and cortisol levels, how that affects brain health, and then our sleep aid. And so this last portion of that, we noticed there was a need for a better hydration product that wasn't completely full of sugar or completely full of salt. Uh, so we had a, um, you know, our, our, our blend of uh, patented ingredients for electrolytes, and then added some ingredients in there for cognitive function, uh, physical stamina, and just a awesome uh, taste, awesome flavor. So uh, that's been going well. And uh, it's, it's also kind of just helping us to introduce people to the other products because, yeah. uh, you know, when you have a, something that tastes well and it's a summertime drink, you know, going around and having people try and sample it, uh, you know, they get introduced to all the other products and, um, you know, we kind of just, uh, put it all out there. Like, Hey, these are, these are five different products that you can take. We, um, just made it easy for you guys. We did all the research for you. You don't have to do it. Like here it is. All you got to do is just take them. So, uh, it's been exciting. It's been challenging and just, uh, continuing to work on it. And just, just like anything, man, just continuing to work, but never satisfied. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, if someone wants to reach out to you, someone's like, man, Andrew, this is amazing. I want to work with Braintree. Maybe I'm starting my own company or, you know, maybe I'm interested in the nutrition space in general. What's the best way for them to reach out to you? And we're not giving out numbers, but what's the what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, um, I think we actually have like our uh, contact email on our website, BraintreeNutrition.com. Um, you can find us there. You can find us on socials at Braintree Nutrition, um, you know, anything like that. Or you can find me on my personal um, socials at Andrew Sendejo. Don't ask me how to spell that. Um, so we'll put it in the, uh, the video. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Man, appreciate it so much. Thanks, man. Congratulations yeah, man. on all that you do. amazing career in, in Braintree. And uh, shout out to you living in, in the hottest city in the world right now, which is Austin. So we're both indoors right now. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Austin.
Appreciate yeah. you, man. Thank All you so right, much. All right, man. Thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye.